Hey, everyone. So today, we want to just take a chance to um, appreciate and uh, comment on some feedback that we got over in the NFHS Softball Umpires group on Facebook after we published episode 21, uh, dealing with some of the NFHS rule changes. Uh, we got a comment from uh, a listener, Brian, who said, so I'm quoting here, however, your analysis of replaying is incorrect. Weight bearing is not written into the new rules and interpretation. If the pitcher starts the pitch on the pitcher's plate, leaps, lands, and finishes the pitch in one continuous motion, this is legal. She can land on her front foot, back foot, or both feet. How she lands is irrelevant in NFHS. NCAA is different, so do not use NCAA as a guide. Uh, so you know, want to take that feedback and just kind of comment on that and let them know uh, we had mentioned in the post that we'd probably be addressing it. Uh, so this is that. Yeah. Absolutely. So again, Brian, thank you very much for listening. Uh, and then everybody else uh, that listens, we certainly do appreciate it. And we love getting the feedback uh, so that we can make sure that we're crystal clear, at least on um, why we came up with what we came up with and uh, how we think about it. So uh, I don't have the post in front of me, but I know that I did respond to to Brian almost probably it was early in the morning. I think I think I got his. <laughs> I think he posted at like 430 and I responded at 505 or something silly. like that. So but anyway, the uh, the idea for, for Pete and I when we were talking about this is how do we recognize a replant? And, you know, there's certainly some some physics involved in the fact of, you know, what's illegal is pushing off from a place not on the plate. So mm-hmm. you can't be closer to home, closer to home than on the pitcher's plate and push again. So in order to push, you have to have something to push against. And if you're going to push against, then you obviously have weight. So uh, if you do have weight on your back foot, it is possible for you to push again. That does not mean, however, that if you have weight on your back foot, that you are pushing again. So to Brian's point, um, if there's one continuous motion, she can land on her back foot. And as long as she does, you know, she's it's one motion. It was one pitch. She she pushed once from the from the plate and the ball is gone. And, you know, then she takes another step or something like that. That is not a uh it's not a replant and and pushing off from a plate so it's not an illegal if you will so might have sounded like i went around a mulberry bush here so i'll come at it from the other direction and then uh see pete if you can clear it up for our listeners but the other thing is if she does never re-put weight on that back foot so where most of them you'll see they land on their on their front foot and slide their their back foot up to the front foot, you know, to, to stand up after the pitch is long gone. So weight was never reapplied to that back foot. It is impossible to have a replant and illegal pitch uh, because of a leap and replant. So that's what exactly. I'm looking. I said weight. Yeah. So we're thinking here heuristically. So it's you know just kind of a rule of thumb. Uh, as uh, Brian's mentioned, you know the NCAA rule uh, and some. Um, assistance and some interpretation on that rule does mention weight bearing while uh, nothing we've seen for NFHS does do that. Uh, so he is absolutely right that you have to be careful in us in us describing what it is that we might look for to not add maybe to the rules where, or speak where the rules don't speak. Uh, again, it was just kind of a rule of thumb. Like uh, David said, if if the person does not ever put weight on the foot past or the back foot past uh, leaving the pitcher's plate, it's impossible that they've leaped. Uh, or not leaped, I'm sorry, it's impossible that they've replanted, but it, just because their foot is there or there's any amount of weight there, it didn't mean that they did. Again, it is the the subsequent drive off that back leg again that, that defines a replay. 
Yep. And so just to wrap it up very quickly, um, this year, both feet are allowed to be off the ground. Um, that's called a leap. Um, but what is illegal is to replant that back foot and push again uh, and make the pitch. So that's called a replant and that would result in an illegal pitch. So leaps are fine. Replants are not. And um, hopefully that, that clears it up for our listeners. Yep. And so enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Umpiring Fast Pitch Softball Podcast. I'm David. And I'm Pete. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the 24-25 softball rule changes for NCAA. So this Heck is yeah. NC2A episode. And we'll just jump right into it. Uh, the very first one is uh, first base to allow the use of a double base at first base. So the rationale piece here, uh, this is currently an experimental rule to potentially prevent collisions at first base while better protecting the runner and fielder. Also to encourage batter runners to utilize the runner's lane when running through first base. In general, the defense is restricted to using the white portion and the batter runner is restricted to the colored portion. The double base at first is required for USA softball and permitted for high school competition in NCAA baseball. So I don't, uh, I don't do NCAA uh, softball, and I didn't know that I would have too many opinions, but here we are at point one, and I have an opinion. So there we go. Yes, I get to participate. I like this. So I don't know. You know, major, obviously, you think about Major League Baseball, they don't use a double first base, and they get along just fine. But the thing is, I I like it. I like it being there in USA softball, and it sounds like the implementation rules of it, you know, with the defense using the white portion and the offense, you know, using whatever, um, that's, that is kind of the USA rule, just copy-paste into here. And I like it. I find that it is safer. Um, it does allow for those things. It does, as it says, encourage the runner to use the running lane, uh, which is running in, in foul territory uh, coming up first baseline. So I think it's all good. I don't know how you feel, but yeah. uh, two, two thumbs up from uh, Mr. Pete. Yeah, I love it too uh, for two reasons uh, that I love it. One, it's, it's protecting those, those ankles mm-hmm. uh, for sure. And then also, I, and this one's almost pet peevish to me. I've had some conversations with umpires I respect where – in which those conversations have kind of led me to believe that it's okay for a coach to teach a player to kind of run in the way, run at the first baseman, you know, uh, because it's going to be inconsistently called, you know, if if that runner hinders the first baseman from catching that ball, Mm -hmm. from catching that thrown ball, this is in the rules. So if, if the, if the runner hinders the, the first base player from catching a thrown ball, in an attempt to make that out, then the runner's going to be out unless that runner is 100% in the runner's lane. Yeah. Um, and when I say 100% in the runner's lane, if either foot is outside or partially outside of the running lane, they can be guilty of that. And Which is tough Tough at first with no double base. All bases are completely in fair territory. Yep. Which means you will be in foul territory until the last, maybe the last second. It says when the, the when rule says the last stride. Yeah. So you're now stepping towards the bag. Um, and, and hopefully getting it. But in reality, the person's probably not doing that. They're lining up a little more and it is going to, they are going to go at the fielder more or less. The fielder is going to hopefully be on the very edge of the bag and away from that. Um, but like I mentioned, they don't have it. Maybe some of the pro levels of, of higher level sport, but like even there, there are collisions. There are people who get hurt over a hundred course of 162 game season. I can pull up video after video on YouTube right now of a collision happening between two grown men chucking down there and somebody being on the ground for an a huge amount of time and it's like they would yeah, benefit. I think even... they would benefit. Personally I think they would benefit. They they enlarged the base at second base to allow for more stealing and stuff. 
I think major leagues would, would benefit from a double first bag. So certainly yeah. at, at the college level for uh, for us, I think it's awesome. Yeah. So like you said, you've seen those grown men, you know, yeah. down and out for, for a little bit. And they're not even soccer players. <laughs> oh, hey, shots fired. Oh. All right. So the next one, uh, 2.15.2.1 for fences for all new construction requires the fence distance to be 200 feet in left and right fields. Uh, this is currently a recommendation to acknowledge the continued offensive production in NCAA softball and create a more equitable experience. So, so here I go. Was this more, are they concerned because, so it says acknowledge continued offensive production. Were there people who were putting fences further or closer? Cause closer. So they're okay. Yeah. Yep. And so too many home runs. Right. So, and sometimes it's unavoidable and, and I get that. Depending on like it, the, the lot you're on, yeah, or the, the, the space that you have mm-hmm. to get it done. I can tell you from our our my coaching years in in USA ball, uh, we probably we probably never hit home runs off of you know 180 foot fences. You know, we'd go, we'd show up, and we'd go, oh my god, this is a home run derby place, and not yeah. and leave there with no home runs. So, but anyway, yeah, I just it's it should be 200 feet, you know, and just to be fair, everywhere. Uh, when you you see, there's a couple of things too. When I think about it, for you know, all Americans and you know, all league and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. If your home, if your home field is 180 foot fences, you yeah. know, uh, you're probably going to get more home runs than you, than people who have 200 footers. So I, I'm glad that they that they have it in here. So what's the third one, Pete? So to eliminate the requirement that bats have a quarter inch knob protrusion. This will allow for the use of a manufactured bat with a tapered flare or cone handle, a bat with an additional layer of tape adjacent to the traditional knob, or a bat with tapering cone as long as it's completely covered by grip. So the rationale being to allow for additional bat design options, including those that may limit the pressure on the hand. So I guess they're thinking of new new technology as a bat design comes up. There's some things that, because the knob, I guess, maybe is not the most ergonomic thing at the bottom and they're saying if they want to you want to taper it out if you were to taper that out on the one hand where you maybe my bottom fingers feel a little better or my thumb feels you know i know there's all kind of things people wear on their hands sometimes to help with that you know the little thumb slideys and stuff like that to help with what goes on down there so i don't i don't see a problem with this is there something i'm not seeing no i don't see a problem with it either uh in fact in some of these rules and we're about to uh about to jump into the rule book but we're not going to in this case for one reason and one reason only, it is possible that this episode will drop while the NCAA test is still open, and mm-hmm. so uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna jump into the details of this one. Uh, but I would encourage any NCAA umpire to to study this rule and this new rule change uh, very well. Uh, the next one is about the assistant coach. Uh, absolutely love this one, mm-hmm. and having been an assistant coach, it's it's hard for me to say that I love this one. Yeah, but. Um, it's to prohibit assistant coaches who are not in a coach's box or serving as the acting head coach from communicating with an umpire. Oh, but you were, in the, co- you were in the coach's box. So that counts first base coaches, right? And, yeah, and, if I, as, okay. when I was on offense, yeah. yes. Yeah, when yeah, I was yeah. on defense, not so much. Right? This includes coming out of the dugout or bullpen area to appeal, question, argue, or discuss any play on the field. The effect would be immediate ejection of the violator. Ooh, immediate yeah. ejection. We're not even playing. Right. They take two steps and you go, see ya. Yeah. I hope I never have to do that. Uh, to emphasize that all communication from the team areas to an umpire should be through the head coach and to improve the pace of play since there will be less stoppages to communicate with multiple coaches. 
Further, there's been an increase in assistant coaches being sent to argue calls with umpires. Yeah. So we didn't see that. I was called in to a discussion during mm-hmm. one game at yeah. Otterbein. Uh, when I was there, I was called in to, to add to the discussion, mm-hmm. you know, just, and I think primarily because of rules knowledge mm-hmm. and, and such. But yeah, I like this one. Which could still happen, I think, right? Like if I was an oh, umpire sure. and I'm talking to a head coach and someone does something and the head coach is like, you know, blah, 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 this rule. And he's like, I don't know what that well. My assistant coach is super. And, and if I were to say, oh, yeah, so you can bring him out, like have him, you know, give me the rule number he's talking about or whatever. Yeah, let's, that's, let's that's talk cool. about like, it. I'm invited. Would, I would be okay with it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, that's that no one. Problem. And I see this. So, I, like I said, I haven't done the, the NCAA, but I have done USA softball, travel ball, different tournaments. And a lot of times the head coach will be, I don't know, the person for the travel team who's best organized, the one whose kid is the pitcher, the one who whoever. But it turns out that there is an assistant coach who is way more into that sort of thing. Rules knowledge. Yeah. And so they are typically the ones that come out. There's lots of times where I have kind of a timid head coach and a, a rabid assistant coach, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's the person that's more so. And then that's, and I have seen plenty of umpires who enforce that even in summer ball where they say, no, I talked to the head coach and I talked to the head coach only. And so you send, you send them out. Whoever shows up at the plate is the head coach and that's who I'm addressing. I've heard umpires say that at meetings at the plate. Yeah. So it's, it's not uncommon. I guess for for that thought process, but I like that that's what they're doing there. Yeah, and uh, so what's the rule in high school ball? Does the does the head coach have to go to the plate meeting? I don't I don't think so. Um, you don't I've, have to here either. Yeah. Um, but they do have to be indicated on the lineup card. The head coach. The head coach yeah. has to be indicated on the lineup card, and if you have co head coaches, one has to be head coach for this game, so you have to establish it. So yeah, I'm okay with it. Um, I'm also glad, you know, that they that they say outside of the boxes mm-hmm. because uh, sometimes that's the right coach to make the appeal to the umpire. Play at first you know, base. If I got a pulled foot at yeah. first base, I don't want to have to go. Hey, time blue. Let's go talk to my head coach so that the head coach can come ask you if you had saw a pulled foot. You know, it's like no, I get to ask that question over at first base. So. I like that. Especially when they even specifically mention improve the pace of play. Yes. So we're trying to go having the first base here, coach yeah. go talk to the third base coach, so the third base coach can go ask what happened to first. That does not yep. improve the pace. Yeah, and I, I can tell you that I struggled a little bit as an assistant coach um, in wanting my head coach to make some form of appeal or, you know, wanting to communicate with them. And then what is the actual vehicle for me being able to stop play and go talk to my head coach mm-hmm. over at third base? There isn't one. Right. You know, so it's a conference. It's a, you know, suspension of play. And that's not, that's not cool. Right. <laughs> you better know? learn sign language. I was trying to get, you know, Coach Anderson to learn sign language. But, yeah. yeah. What's next, Pete? So electronic equipment, uh, five, nine, I think it's eight. I got a little something on my, okay. Um, to allow the use of an exclusively one-way electronic communication device from the dugout to the field for the purpose of relaying the pitch or play call to improve the p- pace and flow of game. And maintain the integrity of the signs. Yep. Yep. And yeah, the rule. Let's. Where's the next one? So pulled up the actual rule itself. Team personnel, including players, are prohibited from carrying or wearing any device capable of transmitting information while on the field. Cell phone, smartwatch. Mm-hmm. Use of a cell phone camera in a team area is prohibited from the start of the pregame meeting with the umpires until the game's conclusion. For an exception, you can see 5.9.9. And 5.9.9 is um, an exclusively one-way electronic communicating device that may be used to the to by the defense to relay the pitch or play call from the dugouts, which is what we saw. I haven't seen these. 
I don't know what they look like. I haven't seen anybody yeah. use them. Um, that's the so that's similar to like the pitch com thing they use in Major League Baseball, where sometimes it'll be something on a wrist they can push, or they have they have a receiver part, and so it's very um, beepy or not beepy or vibrating or depending on the, the model, it gives them some kind of indication, or even might just show a number. The guy enters one two three, it shows up one two three on their device, and then they go. I can't wait to see these. I think it's going to be fun. I might not see them in my um, JUCO world this year. Yeah, but uh, we probably if we watch the. I can see us watching the College World Series this year though, and seeing it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For some of the, especially the big budget programs, which should be cool. And like they said, for the integrity of the science, in that case, you know, it can remove science stealing, and it can speed the play up because if every pitch the catcher's sitting there looking left, looking into the dugout, waiting for the coach to consult her clipboard, yep. and then weigh out some signs, and they turn around and they repeat the sign to the pitcher. You do this, the pitcher and catcher can actually get the sign at the same time. Sure. Yeah, I'm gonna to have to do. I'm gonna do some some more research into the the new manual. Um, not I'm not through the new manual yet. Uh, the mechanics manual, the CCA manual, and do a little more research on this because one of the uh, it, there's a there's a lot of verbiage in the rule book about um, the pitcher receiving the sign, right? And the start of the pitch and where she can receive the sign, mm-hmm. uh, where they can receive the sign. You know, so uh, I'm gonna to have to do some do some more research. We'll come back to this probably this topic and talk about these one-way communication devices and the impact. Uh, yeah, you may get field. some, maybe if we're lucky, we'll get some real-world stuff. Yeah, the, for sure. Games. Okay, next, Appendix G. So this is um, this is about video review, and uh, we don't get to see this at, at my level of play. Uh, here we don't we don't have the... Uh, you guys don't uh, have multiple TV cameras on no, you? No, and... I don't think so. So, but anyway, this time, for, for those that do, though, we'll, we'll go through it. So it includes runners leaving the base prior to touch on a fly ball, so the tagging up. Also, runners missing a base and runners leaving early on the pitch. So note, runners leaving early on a pitch is allowed only by a coach's challenge and may not be initiated by an umpire. So um, even after the sixth inning, where umpires can just, at their own discretion, just say, hey, we're going to take a look at this one. Uh, they cannot do that for runner left early. So it has to be a coach's challenge for that. Second, typically left early on a pitch. I'm sorry? So it says runners leaving early on a pitch only allowed by coach's challenge. Correct. So, But that means that like runners leaving early prior to a touch could be umpire initiated? Oh, yeah. Touch on a fly oh, ball? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, runners leaving early, like um, did she steal in second and she left mm-hmm. early or whatever. Yeah, my, my bad. Thanks for the clarifying. Um, next, include all called or potential home runs. So now we can we can look at those. Um, include catch versus no catch in any situation. Also a good one. Uh, restrict a hit batter by pitch reviews to whether the ball hit the batter, whether the ball is entirely in the batter's box, and whether the batter made an attempt to get out of the way of the pitch when required, and or intentionally tried to get hit by the pitch. That's all you can look at. What else might happen? Yeah, I was like, I don't know. That sounds like a what swing. I want to know. Yeah, Potential swing. swing. Not allowed to look at that. Not allowed to look at that. So if they get hit by the pitch, but the coach says, I think she swung, so you don't give her first base. I think it should be a strike. She swung. That is not reviewable. Uh, And then uh, five is to allow the review of any listed reviewable items if the action on the field results in a dead ball. Okay. To expand video review. So what what was video review restricted to before this? Um, Less than those five things. Sure. (laughs) Less those exact five things. So a lot of the same same things, safe outs at you know at a at a plate, got the tag, you know that kind of thing. Um, so they could not last year if the ball hit 
you know, let's assume an area, this is someone with a home run fence and then a fence behind the home run fence. And if it hit the right above the fence and then bounced back into the field of play and the person said, oh, I think it hit the wall in playable in live ball area. And they said, no, I hit the wall behind that and bounced back in. So it should be a home run. They couldn't review that until this rule. That's what's added this time. Yes. So yeah. until until 2024, they cannot review something like that. Correct. Okay. Um, I'm going to pull up Appendix G here. And we'll read them all, and then we'll know what was in it last year. Um, I could grab last year's book, but... Batted balls, any ball higher than the top of the foul pole when it leaves cannot be... That aspect can't be reviewed. So, deciding if a ball is fair or foul. Deciding if a batted ball called foul should be a ground rule double. Home run or hit by pitch. Uh, Deciding if a batted ball is or is not a home run. Uh, regarding pitched balls at the plate, deciding if a pitch ruled a drop third strike was caught before the ball touched the ground. So there's a lot. You, there's yeah. a lot to review here. So let's um, let's stick with what we're doing for for this episode, and we can come back to the no. That's good. That's good. It gives you an idea that yeah. uh, things are in there, and then yeah, let's just point people to five nine nine appendix G if they appendix G they, if they'd like to do the diff. Yep. Yeah, five nine nine is really small. It's a, appendix G is really all about the what's what you're allowed to review and whatnot. So. Uh, okay, so the next one is post-game review of suspensions to allow a post-game review for only those ejections that include a suspension. The request to review, including video of the incident, must be filed within 48 hours of the completion of the game and be submitted by the conference office or conference coordinator of umpires, a committee consisting of the NCAA softball secretary, rules editor, NCAA national coordinator of softball umpires, and one NCAA softball regional advisor who is not affiliated with the team or conference will consider the review and render a decision. So this doesn't have anything to do with us. Yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, this is to provide institutions and conferences with an avenue to ensure suspensions are appropriate and fair based on the rules. So, which I mean, I love that, you know, yeah. to be able to say, Hey, here's why they got thrown out, why they got suspended. And if it turns out that wasn't it, I'm reminded right now it wasn't a suspension, but I just have to. Baseball umpires will never unthrow somebody out. Right. Right. You, you just can't do it. And so I'm remembering very recently one of the umpires tried to, the, the, the pitch was bad. The, there had been a little bit of bad blood between the catcher and the umpire. Not a lot, mm-hmm. uh, but a little bit. And typically the umpire has been throwing the baseball back to the pitcher. Oh, yeah, where the catcher and, uh, didn't catch so it. Then or the, so the catcher put his glove back. Uh, for the umpire to put a put a ball in it, and mm-hmm. then the catcher remembered that oh, he always throws them to the pitcher, so he put his glove down while the umpire was trying to put the ball in the glove. The umpire got offended and tossed the catcher. Yeah. So video review would say no, 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 no. He didn't do anything. There was nothing wrong. You know, un untoss him. You know. So in this case, though, they're going to allow some unsuspend them. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So hey, side note, unrelated. Wrong. If I was the manager of that team, I'd be tossed too. Oh yeah, I'd be out of there. I'd be out of there. <laughs> I'd come sure. out and I'd probably be tossed in twenty yeah. seconds. It'd probably be thrown a base somewhere or whatever. That's nuts. <laughs> yep. All right. Um, and uh, Pete, we're about halfway through here. We've got obstruction. Uh, some big changes in obstruction. That's going to take us probably a half an hour of pontificating. Uh, anyway, just on the one rule change here. So uh, let's go ahead and wrap this episode. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Until next time, thanks for listening.